1: Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, July 3rd, 2023. Today, the illegitimate Supreme Court killed President Biden's student debt forgiveness plan and gutted LGBTQ plus rights this past Friday. The D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled that congressional Republicans must pay their mask fines. Fox News settled with Abby Grossberg for $12 million. A January 6th defendant was arrested near Obama's home with guns and 400 rounds of ammunition. And a federal judge has ordered the Proud Boys to pay $1 million to the Metropolitan African Methodist Episcopal Church. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, happy
0: Monday. Hey. Happy Monday to you. It is July 2nd. How did that happen so quickly? No, it's yeah. July 3rd when you're listening to this because of the Third time warp. Hey, I put. I actually wrote in the script, hey. You did, <laughs> hey, just in case we forget how to <laughs> greet each other. Hey.
1: Hello, Dana. Did you <laughs> have a fine, fun-filled weekend? <laughs> My weekend was great, Allison. I'm reading from the script. Eat, beep, boop, beep. We're robots today. Today's episode is brought to you by Chat GPT. I'm just kidding. Oh my God. AI. Are we even who we say we are? You don't know. Oh, right. Mm. So, you know, just if I, if I make any uh, court citations that don't exist, you'll know.
0: Oh, they'll know because I will be pronouncing every word correctly. If you hear an episode <laughs> where I pronounce every <laughs> fucking word correctly, artificial intelligence has taken over the beans.
1: Yeah. And also, by the way, uh, some <laughs> friends of mine were messing around with ChatGPT and were like, write a song uh, about, you know, the trees in the style of Alice and Gill. And so it wrote this song and then I was like, okay write the song in the style of and Gill, and add profanity and it's like I'm I'm sorry I'm unable to add profanity so that's another way that you'll know <laughs> there you go if we stop cursing something's gone terribly wrong <laughs> yes we'll blink three times if we stop cursing help come save us <laughs> in the news today a black church was awarded a million dollars in a civil lawsuit against the Proud Boys for fucking with their church it's so good good for them good right, you remember how Enrique Tarrio was arrested the night uh, before January 6th for burning a Black Lives Matter flag and yeah so They also, uh, so there was criminal charges there, but they filed a civil suit and they were awarded a million dollars. And so the Proud Boys organization has to shell out a million bucks to this Episcopal church. And I'm very, very happy about that. Also, later in the show, this is so cool. I'll be talking to the White House communications director. His name is Ben LeBolt. We're going to discuss the new Biden administration student debt forgiveness plan in the face of what the Supreme Court did on Friday. We'll also talk about Bidenomics and the, the booming economy that just isn't getting any attention. So, I, I, you know, the White House reached out. They were like, hey, we would love to have the communications director on the beans. And I was like, heck yeah. So we're going to talk to Ben LeBolt later on in the show. Very, very Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he—he he, it was a great interview. I, th- I think you will all really enjoy it. All right. We have a lot of news to get to today. So let's hit the hot notes. Awesome. Hot notes. On Friday, the Supreme Court gutted LGBTQ plus rights based on a fake case. This is from CNN and the Washington Post confirmed it today. The Colorado web designer who wanted to refuse LGBTQ customers and just won her case at the Supreme Court had claimed in court filings that the man that inquired about her services for the same sex wedding. She named that because at first she had no complaint. There wasn't anybody who asked her to make a website. So she made one up. The man says he never reached out to Lori Smith. That's the web designer who argued at the Supreme Court that she shouldn't be forced to create same-sex wedding websites because of her religious objections. In fact, the man says he's straight and has been married to a woman for the past 15 years. I am so fucking angry
0: about this story, by the way. And mm-hmm. I know if you've been following my Twitter, you know how upset I am, obviously, as part of the community. But that it, it, it just creates a situation where apparently you can win a
1: case on uh, she's worried. She's worried one day. She's worried. There, there's no standing here. This man was identified as Stewart in court filings and as someone who requested graphic designs for invitations and other materials for a same-sex wedding with his fiance, Mike. Well, CNN contacted Stewart through information in court filings. He asked for his last name, which is not in the filing to not be used. In an interview with CNN Friday, Stewart said that he did not submit any requests to the company, which is called 303 Creative, and is a happily married man to a woman of 15 years. "Quote: I don't know Mike." Stewart said. I never asked anybody to design a website for me. It's all very strange. I certainly didn't contact her, and whatever the information in that request is, is fake. Stewart, who previously worked for CNN, said that he is a web designer himself. It would make zero sense to hire a web designer when I can do that for myself, he said. Stewart said he was unaware that his information was being used as a part of the court record until he was contacted by media outlet The New Republic on Wednesday quote, it is concerning that nobody connected with this case over the last six years has ever thought to call me, email me, text me to try and corroborate that my communication was in such a way, he said. And he added, I don't necessarily think that would be a tipping point in this case at all, but at the very least, a case of this magnitude should be corroborated. It should be fact-checked along the way, unquote. CNN reached out to Smith for comment. Kelly Fedorik, a senior counsel at the Alliance Defending Freedom, which represents Smith, said in a statement that Smith, quote, doesn't do background checks on incoming requests to determine if the person submitting is genuine. Quote, whether Lori received a legitimate request or whether someone lied to her is irrelevant. (laughs) It's not. Uh, No one should have to wait to be punished by the government to challenge an unjust law. Yes, you do have to wait, until you are f- injured or harmed in some way, you absolutely fucking do it's called standing. It's, yeah, I'm telling you, I, that's why I'm letting you take this story. I'm so fucking mad. Quote, moreover, Lori has received other wedding requests and has been unable to respond to any request because that put her at risk of punishment for violating Colorado's unjust law. That's uh, Fedoric, her lawyer, referring to the anti-discrimination law in the state. Stewart called the Supreme Court's Decision Friday disgraceful and said, this is Stewart, again, the guy who was used, and said, it does seem like the entire case has been somewhat concocted to achieve a specific outcome. Yes. As a designer, he said, I think designers can refuse to do work for a prospective client for any number of reasons. Race, gender, sexual orientation should not be one of those reasons. So what can we do besides vote, y'all? Well, we can contact the Colorado Attorney General and ask them to open an investigation. This is a fraud on the court, and the court is a fraud. And we can write the Justice Department to do the same. They have a contact page at their website. So that's what I would do. Uh, I would also contact your representatives in the Senate to open an investigation into this case. It's a fraudulent case. It's based on a lie, and this outcome needs to be vacated.
0: And, and I guess that's my question, is if, if it is proven that it's a lie and that she was, because I know she was funded by some right-wing group, because if you follow the money on this, can the
1: Supreme Court vacate their own ruling? I don't know. We've never, I don't, I can't think, and you know, I've only been following the court for a handful of years. One,
0: now. it would make them look like jackasses, all the ones that, except the three that dissented, of course, but...
1: See the and you know I I wrote this thread on Twitter. I was like DOJ needs to investigate. Colorado AG should investigate. This is based on a lie. This is a fraud on the court, perpetrated on the court. If the court had a hand in it, if this came from that six hundred thousand dollar donation to Jenny Thomas's fucking shell company, yep, whatever. It needs to be investigated. But I don't know the rules behind vacating a Supreme Court ruling. I I just don't know. Well, I, I guess another lawsuit would be filed, or or perhaps. Uh, the attorney general would make a request, but it's a separate branch of government. There's a separation of powers issue. Perhaps the Department of Justice could file a lawsuit to vacate uh, okay. the, the ruling. But I, I just don't know how this works. I, I need to to dig deeper into that research.
0: All right. Angie, thank you. This one's from Katie Robertson at The Times. Fox News has agreed to pay $12 million to Abby Grossberg. And Abby's that former Fox News producer who had accused the network of operating a hostile and discriminatory workplace and of coer- coercing her into providing false testimony in a deposition. This was all about the, the voting, the voting situation, the... the um, Dominion voting machine. Thank you, Dominion. Parissus G. Philippatos, I hope I'm saying that correctly, is a lawyer for Grossberg, said the settlement concluded all of Ms. Grossberg's claims against Fox and the people she had named in her complaints, which included the former host Tucker Carlson and some of his producers. Now, Grossberg's legal team filed a request in U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York on Friday to dismiss a remaining lawsuit against Fox in light of the settlement. They gave her money, she dropped the other part. Ms. Grossberg said in a statement on Friday that she stood by her allegations, but she was heartened that Fox News had taken me and my legal claims seriously. Uh, okay, that's one way to look at it. <laughs> yeah, Fox News had previously disputed Ms. Grossberg's claims, by the way. A spokeswoman for the network said in a statement on Friday, we are pleased that we have been able to resolve this matter without further litigation by paying her $12 million, by the way. That's nothing compared to $787 million, so... Yeah, that's right. That was just chump change. Now, Justin Wells, he's a former senior executive producer for Mr. Carlson for Tucker, who was named in a complaint, he said in a post on Twitter, and I quote, we deny Ms. Grossberg's claims and allegations against Tucker Carlson and his team. Nevertheless, we are glad that Fox has settled this matter and that all sides can move forward. We deny it all, but we didn't want to go to court.
1: Uh, so here's $12 million. That's right. it. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Now, the settlement with Ms. Grossberg, it's, that's the latest development in a series of legal battles involving Fox News. In April, the company, as we know, agreed to pay Dominion Voting Systems, as I mentioned before, that $787 million in what's believed to be the biggest settlement figure in a defamation case. Days later, Fox took Tucker Carlson, its most popular host, off the air after the company's leadership concluded, as we know, he was more of a problem than an asset. (laughs) Now, Fox faces a second defamation case. We've talked about this a little bit by the other voting technology company, and that's Smartmatic. And like Dominion, what Smartmatic is saying that Fox knowingly spread false information about its products, baselessly claiming that they contributed to election fraud in 2020. Now, after filing her lawsuits, Ms. Grossberg drip-fed audio recordings from her time at Fox to other media organizations. So she was like, here's a little for you, and here's a little for you. Everybody gets an audio recording. (laughs) The recording showed, among other things, that Tucker Carlson's immense influence on the Republican Party, an admission by Rudy Giuliani, by the way, and that he didn't have evidence of voter fraud. He knew that. And discussions between Ted Cruz and Ms. Bartiromo about his attempts to audit the 2020 election results. Well, Mr. Filipatos, the lawyer to Ms. Grossberg, confirmed that he had been contacted by the Office of Special Counsel investigating Donald's effort to overturn the 2020 election and that he and his client were cooperating. Ding dong. Yep, at least 90 tapes have been retrieved. And Miss Grossberg's legal team was forensically analyzing all of Miss Grossberg's devices in case there were any additional recordings.
1: 90 tapes. 90 tapes. Over to Lordy. the special counsel. There are tapes. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, 12 million. Yeah, we'll see what happens with uh, Smartmatic. Next up from NBC, a Trump supporter who stormed the Capitol wearing a Make Space Great Again hat had two guns and 400 rounds of ammunition in his van down by the river uh, where he was arrested Thursday near former President Barack Obama's home. That's according to federal authorities. A federal prosecutor said in court Friday that Taylor Taranto, a 37-year-old man first identified by online sleuths in August of 2021, also had a machete in the van that he appeared to be living in down by the river. Good Lord, Taranto's van had been parked near a D.C. jail in recent weeks. And he has appeared at protests in support of other January 6 defendants. That's according to videos on social media. Noting that he lived in the van, a federal prosecutor said Taranto had nowhere to go. Taranto currently faces four misdemeanor counts. You so could drive the van away from D.C., you dumbass. Anyway, he faces four misdemeanor counts in connection with January 6. That's according to the federal prosecutors. The prosecutor said Taranto had been in Washington to take House Speaker Kevin McCarthy up on his offer of letting January 6th defendants review security footage of the Capitol riot relevant to their cases. Taranto had posted recordings of phone calls he made trying to get access to that footage. Yeah, sorry. Guess what? McCarthy lied to you, you dumb shit. Uh, Taranto has acknowledged (laughs) entering the Capitol on January 6th in social media posts and questioned why authorities had not arrested him. His lawyer did not immediately respond to a request for comment. That's for the best. Taranto showed up at the Obama residence on Thursday after former President Donald Trump posted screenshots on Truth Social. Five people have been arrested, by the way, for insider trading on the dwac S-PAC Truth Social merger. President Trump posted on Truth Social that featured a purported address for Obama's home in Washington. So he went there. Taranto went there. And his account reposted Trump's post. We got these losers surrounded, he wrote on Telegram yesterday. See you in hell, Podestas and Obamas. Wow. Taranto will be held in custody at least until a detention hearing on Wednesday. Federal Magistrate Judge G. Michael Harvey said Friday he had some concern about his mental stability. Taranto was identified by members of the Sedition Hunters community after facial recognition search turned up photos of him posing with a cardboard cutout of Trump at county GOP events in his home state of Washington. The widow of a Metropolitan Police Officer who died by suicide after defending the Capitol on January 6th has filed a lawsuit against him. And another man, David Walls Kaufman, alleging they played a role in his death. Both men have denied involvement in Officer Jeffrey Smith's death. Smith's body cam footage appears to show that he was also struck with a flying metal object later in the evening, hours after he was part of a scuffle involving Walls Kaufman and Taranto. So he is under arrest. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he'll probably be remanded without bail. We'll see what happens. But yeah, that's what you get when you live in a van down by
2: the river.
1: <laughs> hey, G, thank you,
0: especially for the end of the story. Uh, this is. <laughs> Pour one
1: out for Chris Farrell.
0: Listen, people, it's the beginning of the week. Here we go. This is from Politico
1: the federal <laughs> appeals. A federal read, it, read it like you can read it oh from political Federal
0: Appeals Court. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. The Federal Appeal, a pe- I can't even speak now. See, not artificial intelligence. <laughs> a Federal Appeals Court in Washington rejected a challenge by three House Republican lawmakers against then Speaker Nancy Pelosi's congressional mask mandate, citing Congress's ability to set its own rules. And this is a quote. In sum, the Speaker, Sergeant at Arms, and Chief Administrative Officer have immunity from suit because the adoption and execution of the resolution are legislative acts protected by the speech or debate clause. That's what the D.C. Circuit Court Judge, Naomi Rao, Trump appointee, by the way, in an eight-page opinion, that is what she said. The House's power to set its own internal procedures is typically protected by the Constitution's speech or debate clause which prohibits lawmakers from being questioned for their official legislative acts. Now, courts routinely interpreted those official acts to include ancillary procedures like methods of voting and maintaining order in the chamber. Well, piece of crap Marjorie Taylor Greene, Ralph Norman, and Thomas Massey, who's a Republican from Kentucky. They had brought the lawsuit challenging the mask mandate's constitutionality after they were all fined $500 for entering the House chamber without masks during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, that fine increased to about $2,500 for subsequent violations. Pelosi had instituted a mask mandate in the House because she's a smart woman as a pandemic error precaution, though it was rescinded in February of 2022 because things were a lot less dangerous at that moment. It's the second time in recent months that the courts have sided with House leaders, including those from the previous Congress, and it may not be the last. Early last year, the Supreme Court refused to hear a challenge brought by then-House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy to the chamber's proxy voting system established by Democratic leaders. Now, like the mask mandate, the appeals court unanimously backed the House's immunity from suit over exercises of its internal rulemaking power. The D.C. Circuit, it's also considering a challenge brought by GOP lawmakers to the House's, and this has been since eliminated, requirement for members to pass through metal detectors after entering the chamber. And that was a precaution adopted by then-Democratic Majority House shortly after January 6th of 2021. And I understand why, because the fucking lunatics in Congress, some of them in the House of Representatives, like Lauren Boebert, I could imagine she would just walk on in with something, you know, hypothetically. <laughs> Notably, the House, the, the current House counsel, Matthew Barry, argued in favor, by the way, of the metal detectors, That plan, that plan for them, even as he acknowledged that no member of the current GOP leadership supported it. Now, the lawmakers can still appeal the decision to the full bench of the appeals court to the Supreme Court if they want to. Spokespeople for the three GOP members, they didn't immediately
1: respond to a request for comments. So this is all really interesting to me. These dickbags are really going to want to invoke the speech or debate clause when they try to uh, overthrow the government, but they don't want to use it for actual shit that's covered by the speech or debate clause. Yep. All right, good. Pay your fines, Dix. We'll be right back with the, <laughs> with the White. House. I should <laughs> probably use a, a, a more gracious segue into <laughs> into the White House Communications Director. Okay, maybe he was just he was so great to talk to. We're going to talk to White House Communications Director Ben LeBolt. He and I discuss uh, the economy and how Biden is fighting back against the Supreme Court decision to kill President Biden's student debt forgiveness program. You don't want to miss it. Stick around. We'll be right back. <laughs> We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, welcome back. I'm honored today to be joined by the White House Communications Director to discuss Bidenomics and the new student debt relief plan announced on Friday by President Biden. Please welcome Ben LeBolt. Hi, Ben. How are you?
2: Great to be here, Allison. Thanks for having me.
1: I appreciate you joining us last minute. I know it's a very, very busy day over there with everything going on. Uh, but I, I really wanted to like drive home everything that's going on with, with the Biden economy, Bidenomics, uh, and how that is different from Reaganomics that we were so used to for so long. So talk a little bit about what has been accomplished and what we're looking at in the future.
2: That's right. Well, as you know, starting uh, in the 80s, Republicans and a number of economic elites believed that if we rewarded uh, corporations and the wealthiest with tax breaks, that that would trickle down to middle class. Um, But President Biden knew that that wasn't true. He never saw corporations being rewarded as something that trickled down to his family's kitchen table in Scranton, Pennsylvania, or, or Claymont, Delaware. And so He's had a different approach uh, since he came into office, and that is the middle class is really the backbone of the economy, uh, and he knows that unions uh, built the middle class. And so he's been squarely focused on what we can do to support the middle class since he came into office. So there's basically three pillars to Bidenomics as we see it. The first is investing in America. You know, For years, we'd offered tax breaks to corporations that ship jobs overseas. And you saw manufacturing go offshore. Well, you've seen a reversal of that under this administration. He's passed things uh, like the Inflation Reduction Act to build a clean energy industry in America uh, instead of China to bring the semiconductor industry back to the United States. It's something that we had uh, invented. We invented the little chips that go into cars or refrigerators, uh, but they were being built overseas, and now they're going to be built in America. We've seen 13.1 million jobs created under this administration after you'd seen a net job loss under Donald Trump. 800,000 of those are manufacturing jobs. A lot of people believed uh, we wouldn't see uh, manufacturing ever come back to America, that it would always go to wherever the cheaper labor market was. Well, the the president didn't accept that. uh, And you're seeing the revival of, of manufacturing across America. You're seeing record small business starts under this administration. You know The president talks about each one of those as, as an act of hope. The second piece of this has been empowering workers. Um, and so we've got a tight labor market, wages are up, workers are more empowered, more of them are joining unions, and employers really have to compete um, for workers. And so he's really tipped the balance of, of who's empowered in the, in this economy And it's paying dividends for uh, the average middle class family, the average hardworking American.
1: Yeah, and let's talk a little bit more about you know having everything made here in America. I, you know, I've I've sat in on on quite a few briefings where we learned all the way down to the granular level here, like we're increasing wind energy and we're making sure that those turbine blades are manufactured using steel made in the United States by manufacturers that are pro labor. So I mean, it goes. Like at every step of the way, uh, we're ensuring that we are helping middle class families, American workers. We're using labor unions and we're using things made in the United States. And that is kind of that bottom up, middle out promise that that we see. And it's already taking effect, although some of these projects for the Infrastructure Act we aren't going to see for a very long time. But that's kind of the point, right? Investing in infrastructure and America and workers for decades to come.
2: That's right, And you've seen Republicans and others come out against the buy American proposal and say, "Oh, you know, that that'll raise costs." Actually, it's going to lower costs in the long run because you want to talk about the cause of inflation. The cause of inflation was related to the global supply chain crisis coming out of the pandemic because we weren't making enough things in America. You know, we were we were importing products from from overseas, uh, and the supply chains got clogged. Well, the president believes we need to insulate ourselves from having that sort of price shock ever again. And whether it's um, taxpayer dollars uh, that are that are paying for something uh, or uh, if it's simply, um, you know, a company that we're providing tax breaks for, he believes they should make their products in America. Um, and that's part of why you're seeing, um, you know, manufacturing jobs uh, come back uh, in the United States right now.
1: Yeah. And let's talk about inflation for a minute, because that seems to be a major talking point for Republicans going into 2024. But the fact of the matter is, if my understanding is correct, the United States has the lowest inflation of the G7 countries, and we have several months of lowering inflation in the books already. So talk about how Bidenomics has been combating inflation through things like the Inflation Reduction Act and some of the things you were talking
2: about. That's exactly right. I mean, inflation's come down more than 50% in the United States uh, since last summer. Uh, We have the strongest recovery on record. You know, the G7 countries, those are really our peers economically, other developed nations. We've seen inflation come down faster. We've seen here in the United States, we've seen more job creation. And those are direct results of President Biden's policies. You know, the Inflation Reduction Act. That's the top issue that Americans have been concerned about, which is the the cost of living. Um, and the president passed um, a series of programs in that legislation, which would lower costs. The heart of which are areas like healthcare costs, prescription drug costs, capping the price of insulin at thirty five dollars, for example, um, capping the price of prescription drugs, out of pocket expenses at two thousand dollars a year for an American. You know, no matter what um, disease or or condition. Um, they might be facing, allowing Medicare, you know, standing up to pharma and allowing Medicare to negotiate down the cost of prescription drugs, just like the VA does. You know, I've been in politics for 20 years. I've heard a lot of people talk about that. President Biden is the one who finally um, got it done. Um, And I'd also like to note that that Republicans, um, all of them, Uh, voted against the Inflation Reduction Act. And this was a a targeted program to lower costs for working families um, on the top issue that the American people care about. And, you know, their their only economic plan is the same thing that they had under President Trump, which is tax cuts for the wealthiest and for corporations. It's not paid for. It created 40% of the federal debt that's facing us today. And they'd extend those tax cuts forever. They're at the table trying to do that uh, right now.
1: Yeah. And negotiating those drug prices uh, for Medicare is huge. I worked at the Department of Veterans Affairs for over 10 years, and then I was the liaison to the Department of Defense and they weren't even able to negotiate their drug prices. We only had it for the VA. And so that was just a huge, massive step uh, in the right direction. It's going to save billions and billions of dollars. And another thing that President Biden is doing for veterans is investing three billion dollars in cutting veteran homelessness. Uh, I know that he worked very hard when he was vice president under Obama. That administration halved veteran homelessness, and I'm glad to see him bringing this back to take it the rest of the way home.
2: That's exactly right. I mean, it's no, no veteran should be homeless. No veteran should go hungry. Um, that's something that uh, the president and the administration just invested a substantial amount in, um, both to try to start to tackle the problem of homelessness writ large, but also to make sure that that no veteran um, goes without a home. And so uh, it's a priority for the president, it's a priority for Secretary McDonough. um, And uh, I I think it just goes to show again, you know, President Biden wakes up every day focused on what's impacting the daily lives of the American people. Um, And Republicans, you know, are often in this parallel universe, this silly season of universe, you know, talking about, um, you know, the woke mind virus and all, all these sorts of things that exist within the right wing media infrastructure. Um, but the average American is not waking up concerned about those, those phantoms. What they're concerned about is are you bringing down the cost of living? Are you creating jobs? Are you focused on the things that impact me and my family day in and day out? And if you, and that's kind of the core of what, you know, Bidenomics has been all about.
1: Yeah. And and talking about the daily lives of Americans and how we're impacted in so many ways, the hypocrisy on the other side of the aisle is pretty stunning. We know that today the Supreme Court struck down President Biden's student debt relief plan and they had the website ready to go. They had simplified the application for it to take just five minutes. And President Biden spoke on Friday about what he's going to do going forward now that we have to have a workaround to give relief to American families from this being saddled with huge amounts of debts while Republican congresspeople are taking sometimes over a million dollars in forgiven PPP loans, which I think a program I think that he said costs twice as much as his student debt relief program. Talk a little bit about what President Biden and Secretary Cordona are going to do to help get the relief needed for Americans.
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll look, um, the court came down with a number of rulings this week that were extremely disappointing. And I think it just goes to Joe. I mean, I, I have to take a step back and say that's one of the reasons that this president has been very focused on nominating uh, federal judges since he came into office. He's confirmed 136 federal judges. You know, he used to be the chair of the Judiciary Committee. This is hugely important to him. He knows what impacts the courts can have on our society. Um, This court has been tossing out decades of precedent on issue after issue, whether it was the affirmative action ruling uh, this week or whether it comes to the the student debt relief ruling. As you said, um, this is something that people come up to the president and talk to him about almost every day when he goes out into states and what a difference it would make in their lives to forgive ten, twenty thousand dollars worth of worth of debt just to help them dig out coming out of college and and start to focus on you know just paying the cost in their daily lives and and moving beyond that debt and so the the program was was ready to go it had strong support across the country Republicans did everything they could to to stop it um, in its tracks um, and the president made clear today that the court ultimately can't have. Um, the final word here, um, he believes that there's additional executive authority um, that's not related to emergency um, relief in the pandemic, but um, the Higher Education Act. Um, it's going to take a little bit longer, uh, but he still believes there's a path to getting uh, those borrowers the relief that that they were promised. And by the way. Um, these aren't rich folks, as you know. Republicans have tried to portray it as. The vast majority of them are making less than $75,000 a year. And so um, $10,000, $20,000 of relief is, is hugely meaningful to them. The second step that he took um, is to change um, the payment plans um, before they're re-implemented uh, through the Department of Education so that um they're paying um you know no more than five percent uh, of uh, of their discretionary funds uh, in their salary. um, and they've got a little bit longer um, to pay those loans back uh, as well. So that'll save the average person a thousand dollars a year, um even as we're we're trying to get um, the broader relief um, through the higher education act. So, uh, we were preparing for every scenario here um, for weeks. Um, this remains a very significant priority for the president. And we know just because of the number of people we hear from every day on this, how important an issue it is, not only to young people coming right out of college, but but to people who've been in the workforce for years.
1: Yeah. So he he cut in half the income based, you know, driven repayment program from 10 percent of your discretionary income to five percent. That's after you pay all your bills, five percent of your discretionary income. And that after 20 years of payments, the rest is forgiven if there's anything left over, which is excellent. He fixed the public service loan forgiveness program as well. And, and then also there's a 12-month on-ramp repayment program as well, meaning that if you, for the next 12 months starting this fall, are unable to make your payments for any reason, you will not be forwarded to a debt collection agency. It will not negatively impact your credit. And that, I think, gives people a little more breathing room as well.
2: That, that's exactly right. Um, the president's been attacking this from every angle, using every authority uh, available. Um, and again, as you pointed out, you know Republicans were comfortable um, with um, loan forgiveness to businesses um, during the pandemic. Uh, many of them uh, got those loans themselves, those PPP loans that were ultimately forgiven to their businesses. They never paid them back. But when it comes to Um, You know, a working class and middle class kid uh, just getting out of college uh, who uh, who is bearing an enormous debt burden, not making a high salary. Uh, Of course, they scrambled to try to get that program, that relief invalidated for them. So um, ultimately, that says something about the Republicans values versus President Biden's values.
1: Yeah. Not to mention the two trillion dollars in tax debt relief for the wealthy. (laughs) So. And and he said the, the hypocrisy is stunning, and I tend to agree. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy day. I know it's very busy over there at the White House today. White House Communications Director Ben LeBold.
2: Great to talk to you. Thanks for having me on.
1: Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news? here good news good news and if you have any good news confessions corrections shout out to someone you love what the mut- what the heck wine frog orgies baby pictures shout out to an adoptable pet in your area shout out to a local business shout out to your business anything you want to send us <gasps> i did it all in one breath please send it nice job. to dailybeanspod.com and click on contact everyone we've all lost our goddamn minds <laughs> 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 it doesn't look like you should be using those papers for homework because you've been using them to roll doobies. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah, it's been an interesting weekend, but uh, we have the good news. And if you want to send it to us, dailybeanspod.com, click on contact. First up, from anonymous pronouns she and her, several months back, the nonprofit I work for nominated me for an amazing training opportunity to network with a group of professionals focusing on leadership skills and social justice. We will work together to fundraise and solve what we can within the area. And this week, I was accepted. Congratulations. Heck yeah, Anonymous. To answer my mother's questions. No, it's not a promotion. No, it's not a raise. No, it's not even part of my actual job. Yes, it will be a year of hard and incredibly rewarding work. Think of it like grad school, but better for my community. And I'm ecstatic for pet tax. The gr- I love that. Like cut the mom off at the, no, it's not a promotion. No. <laughs> for pet tax, the grumpy but lovable neighborhood cat who gets fed by everyone. Look at this baby. <gasps> that looks like my cat boobs. Oh my God. It's beautiful.
0: I'm, I'm actually picturing this cat the size of a leopard because you don't know how big this cat is. So if you picture it like that, it's <laughs> actually the most gentle leopard. Instead a, of grumpy cat, you've he's ever a seen
1: boy cat, and he's got a little white patch on his chest, and he's got the secret stripes on his forehead. Love it, so cute. All right, this is from Carolyn. Pronounce she and her. Hello, beans queens. I have a
0: very small pronunciation correction. Why do I think this is for me? It may not be. SPAC is generally pronounced as a single word. Oh, look at that!
1: Like I, I've been calling it an S
0: Look at me, and I didn't even fuck it up on the story. Well, I <laughs> fucked it up. Look at me go. Yes. I mean, everyone makes mistakes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you suck. I mean, that's too bad for you. I mean, every, I do it too. Okay. SPAC is generally pronounced as a single word, like spackle, without the L.A. As a communicator in the biotech industry, biotech industry, see, everything went to shit after that. As a communicator in the biotech industry, SPACs were all the rage in 2020, 2021. So I've heard the acronym from my clients who use the vehicle to go public, media covering the transactions, etc. It's a little thing, but the indictments you covered Friday, and perhaps more to come, you might be using the acronym <laughs> a lot more in the future. Let's hope, Carolyn. Now, for PodPet Tax, here are photos from a trip I took with my husband and youngest kid to the Yukon in February. It was a combination Northern Lights bucket list slash, oh, you lifelong San Diego kid can't remember seeing snow? Well, we, we'll show you snow trip. Now, one outing was dog sledding. Awesome. Oh. So much fun. The dogs were incredibly friendly. And boy, do they love to run. Oh, this is amazing. Look at
1: that. That is a beautiful photo. <laughs> SPAC. Got it. Look at how happy the sled dogs are. Oh, they just love doing their job. Look at. Oh, he, he he's like, I'm going to take a rest right here. We'll keep going in a minute. And the other one's like, Balto, Ah, let's go.
0: Actually, they all look like they're laughing, except this one fell out. Look (laughs) at the one behind. He looks like he's laughing at something, too. Everyone's hysterical in this line, except the guy in front's like, get your shit together. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Rudolph's pissed. (laughs) (laughs) So, so cute. What a cool trip. The Yukon from San Diego. That's uh, not something I would have thought of. So, well done. All right. Next up, from Kim, pronoun she and her. Hi, A.G. and D.G. I heard AG wondering about whether Bay City, Wisconsin is where the Bay City Rollers got their name. Nope, that's Bay City, Michigan. (laughs) There you have it. Thanks for the shows. My husband, who was Army Reserve Intelligence Unit decades ago, eagerly awaits the Jack podcast every weekend. And I listen first thing in the morning to the beans, Jack, and Cleanup. I'm a huge fan of Pissed Off Pete. Oh, he's so fun. I've attached pictures of our cat Menagerie. Great name. The dilute calico is the youngest, Luna, Queen of the Boxes. The gray fuzzball in the basket is BB King, because he's kind of blue and obviously king of the house. Goodness! Oh, my God. The tabby is Jasmine, who, no kidding, is 19 years old and has always seen me as a rival for my husband's affections. We appreciate you. Look at these babies. Cuteness. Oh, so lovely. I love cats in baskets, too. Thank you.
0: So much, Dander. All right, this is from Dave. (laughs) Pronouns he and he... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> pronouns he and him. As a Delaware voter in 2024, I'm going to be voting for the chance to have the only black female U.S. senator, the only openly trans U.S. representative and the U.S. president, all from my tiny little state, home of tax-free shopping too. Dave, I love you. And I just want to say, uh, side note, we got in touch with Sarah McBride, and I have a feeling she'll be a guest on the show. So that will be one yes. of the people you're voting for as your U.S. representative. Mm. No pet tax today, but speaking of a small state, I was in my favorite coffee shop in the state capital, the House of Coffee, the other day. It's a favorite because it's owned by Kristen and not some corporate behemoth. The name is derived from her Welsh heritage. She started it five years ago and has navigated COVID and all that it brought. She has a great, very diverse crew, and she's always positive and engaged. When I went in, our current U.S. Senator Tom Carper, who was in for some coffee while he was in town. Now, Senator Carper is retiring. This is what I was telling you about. And supports, by the way, the Lisa Blunt Rochester person to take his senator seat. And that is why Sarah McBride is running for Congress, by the way, the House of Representatives. That's the candidate for Senate that this person had mentioned earlier. Now, and I just fucked up this entire sentence, but that's what I wanted to interject. So <laughs> Senator Carper is retiring and supports Lisa Blunt Rochester, the candidate for Senate I'm heat this person mentioned earlier. In her run for the seat, he is vacating. So there you go. What is TLDR? Too long, didn't read. Delaware oh, is pretty cool. Too long, didn't read. Delaware is pretty cool. Yeah, so this is what I was telling you about before. Sarah McBride is the one that is running for this empty Congress seat because the, the Congress person is
1: trying to take over the Senate seat of someone that's retiring. So, yeah, and please. we need that Senate seat. We need all the Senate seats because I think Joe Manchin is, uh, word on the street yeah. is he's going to be flipping to Republican in 2024. I'm so shocked. Are you shocked? Oh, boy. So shocked. Super shocked. Oh my God, I hate these people. I am so tired of people
0: running under certain pretense to get elected and then completely turn their backs on their constituents. I just, it takes a lot of fucking nerve and probably a lot of dark money funding. Oh,
1: yeah. Hey, do you want to take this short one by sort of Damocles? Oh, I'm
0: happy to. This is Sword of Damocles. Damocles. <laughs> Damocles. I like
1: Damocles. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I like that. It's spelled, it's spelled like Damocles. Okay.
1: Sword of <laughs> Damocles? That's the name? Yeah, because you know the Sword of Damocles. No, of course I don't. What is that a Dungeons and Dragons thing? What is that? <laughs> no, Damocles. He had a sword <laughs> hanging over his head all the time. Um, oh, so it was like kind of his... like when when Mueller was always under the threat of being fired. We would say he was under the sword of Damocles. Well, oh. this is sort of Damocles' plan.
0: Oh, Very see, nice. I like learning these things too about the little inside jokes that existed before I got here. Alert, okay. alert. Okay. Yep. <laughs> now this is from Sword of Damocles. Pronoun she and her. <laughs> this is cat butt here's mike looking for warmth in all the wrong places mike is a very puffy beautiful cat sitting on a very warm lap
1: wonderful yep send in those cats on electronics i
0: love that people name their animals names like that you know people would have because you're just like mike come here yeah totally Mike, get off my
1: laptop i had a kevin yeah see kevin kevin fuck All right, next up from Janice, pronouns she and her. Hey, Beans crew. I just love today's guest, Adam Green, who exuded positivity in his description of what bold progressives are getting done, especially loved pushing the SCOTUS legitimacy messaging. Yes. Yesterday, you mentioned in the concerts that are going on this summer, and I'd like to put a shout out for community theater. We made the eight-hour drive to Iowa this weekend to be blown away by my daughter-in-law's voice in Cedar Rapids Community Theater's Rock of Ages. Fuck yeah. It is so cool to see live theater and the talent within our communities is amazing. Who among us were those music drama students in high school? I did refrain from flipping off the, the DeSatan business, Business the Highway, only a thumbs down. I, I don't know what that is. Satan Business the Highway. Uh, my pet tax is Stacio, our main coon, who brings me presents. These teeny beanie babies have been hunted and left for us for 15 years. Thanks for the news each morning, Janice. Look at the Maine Coon. Oh, my God. Well, I can tell you Janice is talking about DeSantis, but I'm yeah. a little confused by the business, uh, the highway. So who knows? Who knows? There was, I guess, uh, flipping off the DeSantis business on the highway. Maybe there's a DeSantis business Could on be. the highway to Iowa. Oh, go. I know. He Wasn't he in Iowa? And maybe oh. it was a motorcade or something. So the Ooh. DeSantis, the DeSatan business. Okay, now huh. it makes sense. Not a business, but the business. I gotcha. Got it. Yeah, Iowa's going to be a shit show <laughs> early next year. <laughs> I mean, has it been changed that they're no longer one of the first states to vote? Uh, well, I don't know. I, I know New Hampshire's not first for Dems anymore. South Carolina is. but And I think they pushed back Iowa and the caucus. But the caucus is also weird. Um, it makes it very difficult for you know, people who aren't able-bodied to come down and participate in the caucus. It's just, it's a very strange process. And I, I don't know, I, I'll look into that. Uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll be hearing a lot more about the Iowa caucus, as we always do in a presidential election year. But glad you flipped off that business.
0: Absolutely. Janice. I like, I like, I like the people that flip off motorcades of people that they don't like, like that woman that went, went viral for flipping off Trump's motorcade on her bicycle yeah, and then she was
1: elected to Congress, I think. Yep, she That's sure cool. was. She won her seat for the, which I think
0: not the House of Representatives, but like some sort of a- Some, uh, yeah. Yeah, some city council or
1: some, whatever it was, it was awesome. She won. She was fired from her job for that. And then she's like, fine, I'll run for office. And she won. Yep. yep. All right, everybody. Um, it's been a weird show today. Thank you. It has been very weird, yep. Thank you for listening. And um, thanks to our patrons. Thanks for coming to the happy hour last Friday. We'll have another one in a couple weeks. Uh, and check your inbox for uh, potential interest in meetups with me for, for cocktails and stuff in um, Chicago, July 13th through 15th. I'll be at Netroots, be hosting a panel with Jill Wine-Banks, Victor Shee. Uh, and Renato Mariotti, we're, and a, there's an open nice. bar. It's an open. It's the only open bar panel at Netroots Nation because we're going to be celebrating <laughs> <the> indictments. <laughs> That's hysterical. I was like, can we get a bar in there? Because we got some. We're going to have some cocktails and mocktails and celebrate these indictments. Uh, and, uh, I'll, you know, I've been thinking about the, maybe that Sunday night, the 16th. So look at your inbox if, you, if you're interested in meet, a meetup in Chicago. And then also in Grand Rapids uh, the, fr- the following Friday, I believe, is the 21st of July. I'm looking to see if there's any enough people in Grand Rapids who want to come out and uh, have a cocktail, celebrate some indictments. So check your inboxes, patrons. If you're not a patron, you can become one. Patreon.com slash Muller, she wrote. Whee. Whee. All right. That's it. Everybody, we'll be back tomorrow. Do you have any final thoughts, Dana?
0: No, we got a few more tickets left for my Rochester show. So if you are in the Rochester, New York area and you're free July 28th, it's a Friday night. I would love to have you in the audience. You can go to my website, danagoldberg.com. Just go to the appearances section. Tickets are still available. They're super reasonable. It's a very small room. It only holds 100 people. I'd love to have my Beans family in there. So if you're in the Rochester area on July 28th, go grab a ticket before they are gone.
1: Yes. And I have seen Dana do her comedy and it is some of the funniest shit you will ever see so you don't thank want to miss it thank you honey you're welcome all right everybody we'll see you tomorrow until then please take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of the planet take care of your mental health vote blue over q and please take everyone we know with you everybody i've been ag <laughs> i've been dg <laughs> the, beans. the daily beans is written and executive produced by allison gill with additional research and reporting by dana goldberg sound design and editing is by desiree McFarlane